Well, isn't being born a terminal illness? You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. Bowlafterbowl.com. Bowl after bowl, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. Lorian and Spencer. Dame DeLorean, Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. What does it mean to be the wolf? It means I Hey, bowlers. It's Token Tuesday. You know that's right. We're getting at you with another episode, 87, of Bowl After Bowl. It is Tuesday. It is June 15th, 2021, and I am Sir Spencer Wolf, Kansas City. And I am Dame DeLorean. We got a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. It's going to be a fun one. As always, thanks for joining along if you're listening on the No Agenda stream. And uh, thanks for... Joining us in the bowl, as we call it. Uh, stream.bowlafterbowl.com colon 8000 slash bowlafterbowl. That'll get you to the bowl stream. We got a plan the rest of the day. As long as my systems don't crash with this music and this and that. And uh, we love having you along. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, make sure you hop in the chat. Hop in the bowl. That's right. You can find us at the uh, zero node irc channel bowl after bowl and for easy links you can go to bowlafterbowl.com click on listen live it's all there for you it's all spelled out it's all ready waiting for your clicking pleasure also great way to get in touch with us is the sphinx tribe sphinx.chat that's where you can get hooked up with a sphinx ecosystem and then tribes.sphinx.chat is where you can search for all the different tribes and ours is Bowl after bowl, of course. And uh, you can take it from the Podfather himself. They really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. We got it rocking in there. It's so all come on in. to you. Come on in. Come on in. You know, it's funny. For some reason, the number 87 triggered me. And I was like, was that the episode that we did our first hog story on? And then I dug deep and I looked. But I was actually 86. Oh. Clock, clock. So I missed it. But yes, uh, numbers. I don't know why 87 triggered my brain, because it was like one off. But hey, did you guys know we were a Value for Value podcast? The Bowl After Bowl guys are pushing the Value for Value so hard. We push it so hard. We are a Value for Value podcast, and everybody knows what that means. It means we put the show out for your listening pleasure. We do it every week. Sometimes bonus Bowls with, a bud ep- Bowls with Buds episodes. Uh, and it's all up front for you at no cost. And we ask you to basically try it, figure it out, see if you like it, see if it gives you any value. If it does, we ask that you return that value in some form, whether it be your time, your talent, your treasure. Because um, everybody knows. First rule of being a smoker is it's bad manners to keep bumming all the damn time. Nobody wants to be a mooch. Uh, the No Agenda show kind of pioneered the concept of the douchebag. Uh, but here it's a mooch. And so... Dude, I've been mooching off you for years. If you've been mooching, now's a great time. 
send in your value in the form of sats, in the form of cuck bucks, in the form of clips, in the form of voicemails. Every week we have a new topic. We talk about the first time I ever did a dang thing. And this week it's the first time I ever held a baby. Oh, a sweet little baby. And uh, if you want to weigh in on that, it's easy to leave a voicemail. All you have to do is call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right, we'll play it on the show, and if you're voice shy, you can always text in your uh, stories. Love hearing from you, and we always do that later in the show, behind the curtain. Um, But we always want to thank our producers who sent us their valuable treasure. There's a lot of ways to do that, and I did want to talk about streaming sats for a little bit, because the funny thing about uh, this value streaming process is it's kind of hard to know. Uh, outside of the Sphinx chat, if it's a direct boost from a Sphinx member, it's kind of hard to know who sent what and when. So if you're sending us sats and you want a nice little shout out or you want to do some accounting of your own, uh, take a look at that and send us a note. Spencer at bowlafterbowl.com or Lorian at bowlafterbowl.com. And we will read your note on the air. Uh, we do have one producer this week. We have a new uh stonation a monthly subscriber oh for 420 a month hey um no note and i don't want to dox anybody who doesn't want to be doxed but the initials cw we thank you cw thanks cw for your monthly contribution and uh look forward to having you here among the bowlers regularly uh that's another really great way to support the show is just something that's really small but uh recurring uh, Fletcher is another guy that gives us that monthly stonation, and so we definitely appreciate that stuff. Um, I we also had a nice little shout out uh, and a donation on podcasting 2.0. I want to kind of pull up that because that was a, a lot of fun. And the reason that we wanted to kind of get on board with that, we got in early, right when I started listening to this uh, new value system that uh, David Adam were talking about setting up. And I just, I kind of saw the long game on it. I saw the future implications that it could have for podcasting and for uh, receiving value. And I was no stranger really to Bitcoin, although I'd kind of fallen off uh, using it for a long time. Uh, This is what kind of got me back into setting things up. And now I'm running two nodes and uh, doing all this fun stuff. And I've got to recommend for all the podcasters out there, Um, I know in the show previously I've talked about figuring out different ways to maybe onboard people onto my note or figuring out a wallet address that uh, people can borrow or use without getting into it. And the more research that I do and the more I play around with things, the more I have to strongly recommend that you run your own node. Each podcaster should have their own node. And that's what's cool about having two over here for us is we could really use those to stream value for each of us, you know, I could put Sir Spencer as one node and, and you, DeLorean, as another node. And uh, I think the coolest use case for it will be stuff like the Misinformed uh, Nation show that we're doing. Um, it's been every other Sunday now, but uh, myself, Sir Seat Sitter, Booberry, 
and Gwiff and uh, a kind of a rotating cast. Uh, we've had Midas on. We had uh, Carolyn Blaney of Hog Story on. Uh, and we're just going to rotate people in and out throughout the No Agenda community. But the cool thing about that is eventually we're going to be able to set up a value split on an episodic basis, meaning that, you know, if we have four co-hosts for every show, then people streaming sats to that show can split those 25% to each podcaster. But even cooler, uh, things like CurioCaster actually have tip jar implementations. So you can click on the tip jar, and it shows you kind of a list of all the players involved from the CurioCaster guys themselves, like the, the devs that work on the app that you're using, all the way to, uh, you know, for... Uh, I know Dreb Scott does chapters for a lot of Adam's shows, and so Dreb Scott will be uh, there. Or maybe you could have an artist who has a value node. As long as you have a node, you can get in on the game, you have a little tip jar, and so the boost mechanism becomes really fun in that way, because yes, there's four hosts, but one of the hosts you know, brings a particularly cool clip or says something that really you know, tickles your funny bone, you can boost them directly through the tip jar. All of this kind of stuff, um, I was talking to Dave on podcastindex.social. They don't have implemented at the item level yet in your RSS feed, but that's going to be coming down uh, in the future uh, namespace upgrades. It can be done. He said technically it can be done right now, but like there's no app that supports it yet. But this is the sort of uh, futuristic vision. And so, you know, we, we got in because... We said, hey, if we're going to be one of the first in, we can kind of explore and help not only maybe make it a little bit better as we go along, but mainly just kind of translate all of these different technologies to the less tech-savvy or people that haven't tried it as much. But um, I go back to what I said about just get in the car and drive it. Get yourself a full node, a lightning node, and run it. There's a lot of ways to do that, and uh, I'll try to talk about uh, some of those ways a little later on, but I just wanted to play this clip. Oh my. I wasn't play a clip then. I was going to play this <laughs> <Just> clip. <kidding. laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to play it. Here it is. Spencer from Bowl After Bowl podcast gave us $100. Oh man, the Bowl After Bowl guys are pushing the value for value so hard. Yeah, he you know he came in with uh, with a whimper and he is just coming out like he's he's developing a roar over there. That's that's a there's a lot of people that like that podcast. What which tells me the idea of podcasting 2.0 with streaming value for value and weed is an excellent combination. <laughs> hey, it seems to be yes. <laughs> just a tip. Yeah, when he when he he came in and first started doing this, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure how to do all this. And then he now he's just like on Off a roll. Off to the races. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he says uh, his message says, I will send uh, David Adam note by email. Thanks for your hard work and dedication. Let's see. Here's his note. Um, thanks for everything you and the crew have been building here at Podcast 2.0. We were so excited to jump aboard and be among the first podcasters receiving sats to our show bowl after bowl after spinning up our first node last December. Fast forward half a year and we see our Sphinx tribe growing. We see real value being returned and we're on a mission to get more podcasters and listeners on board and participating. Nice. Um, The recent discussion you two had about the MORE Act, the M-O-R-E, that's the Marijuana Act, uh, and the implications it had on trusting our government and its currency really struck a chord with us. 
We've covered the Morag's progress extensively on our show, and we believe descheduling cannabis is the most important drug policy goal at the federal level. Mm. Um, thanks and blessings for remaining freedom-oriented. We are eager to help usher in a better future for our children with the help of those t- uh, the, of the tools y'all are working so passionately to bring to the oh. world. Love is lit. Love is lit, but, man. Yeah. Sir, and- Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. Thank you, too. And uh, remember to, to remind everybody to check out newpodcastapps.com. Uh, there's a whole variety. There's a whole bunch of them. But I love and it. They yeah, they, at, they really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. That's really working for them. They're at bowlafterbowl.com. Thanks, guys. Oh, the paper crinkle really punctuates it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just like a treasure trove of little little clips to pick up and play. Streaming value for value and weed is an excellent combination. And uh, I never had any Dave Jones ice. Bowl after bowl before. Bowl so. after bowl dot com. Now we've got some Dave jo- uh, Dave Jones ISOs rocking. Because how can you have a good uh, podcasting two point compliant podcast without having some Dave Jones ISOs thrown in? You know. You can't. You can't. You can't. But yeah, um, the first we talked about the first uh, node that we spun up that was just a voltage node, so you can kind of rent a node from Voltage, and uh, Midas actually told me they have a podcaster plan that specifically comes with, like, a big liquidity channel from Breeze. You get, like, a million sat channel incoming from Breeze so that you can right away start receiving uh, that value. When I started that node, I just went in. I just got the one-year plan, which I think was, like, a little under 120 bucks or something for the whole year because I just knew I was in it for the long term, you know, and... Regardless of, of what's coming in, um, I think that we've streamed by now enough to kind of cover that initial cost. Uh, but then I also had read and seen so much about Raspy Blitz. And so that was the second note that I put together. You get a Raspberry Pi, um, a specific screen. So I got the, even the wrong touch screen when I put mine together. Um, but you don't even really need a screen technically to run raspy blitz you can ssh into the raspy blitz and run it all from ssh on a different laptop or computer on your same local network so there's so many different ways to do it is what i'm trying to say that uh what i want to encourage people to do is just commit to doing it in the future eventually just put it on your to-do list and uh i'm sure the bowlers have heard me talk about my notoriously like long and neglected to-do list, just throw it on there as another thing that you're going to do eventually. Because I hear a lot of uh, people are like, well, I don't really understand it yet, or well, you know, I'm not going to be able to get to it right now. And that's cool. Like, uh, it's not something, even if you decide, oh, I'm so into it. Like for me, when I was, I decided I want to do Raspy Blitz, from me deciding that in my head, to actually getting it up and running was about three or four months. And not not all because it's uh, tough. It's not necessarily a difficult process. It's very well documented. The actual setup, once I got all my parts in the mail to getting it actually set up, was more like four or five days. And most of that is just downloading the blockchain. Uh, but, you know, I, I, life happens. Life comes at you. There's a lot of things going on. We're all busy and running around. So... Uh, obviously you're not going to get a node tomorrow, but I encourage everybody podcasting to really think about what kind of node am I going to run? How am I going to run a lightning node? It helps the network. It's also the most secure way to 
send and receive your payments as if you're verifying your own payments as they go. You're running all of the Bitcoin Core um, software right on top of it. And you can also plug in that node into your value block, and then it's just streaming directly to you right away. So something that I encourage people to do, run a full node. Have I been clear on that? I think so. Run a full node. You want to run a full node. Uh, Umbral and MyNode are other different uh, options. There's also ways to run it on just a Windows machine if you have an old laptop, something that's on and uh, you know connected to the internet all the time. Uh, all these things can be done. So um, I know this article is a bit old, but it says a small amount of Bitcoin that you need to start a Lightning node. It says ideally at least $5 worth. Um, when you're starting out, you know, you can have as little as maybe uh, 50,000 sats uh, to 100,000 sats for a first channel. I think the first channel I ever opened was to Adam, uh, and it was like 50,000 or something like that sats, which uh, it's funny. Adam was talking about it too. Like, I don't really think about the US dollar conversions anymore. I'm just like, I have sats in my head. I kind of understand about what it is. It's back on the rise again. But um, as you grow your node and as you get bigger, you're going to want bigger and bigger channels. Another thing that I want to do for people that are already running a node out there is I want to get a ring of fire going f just through us podcasters, at least one, maybe two or three. And I've talked about that previously on a show. A ring of fire is basically a group that gets together and opens up a channel just in a circle. So say you got six people. The first guy opens a channel to the second guy, second to the third, third to the fourth, all the way around until the last guy opens a channel back to the first guy. And then you have a circular channel uh, going around, and then you loop a payment through that channel of half the channel amount. So everybody opens up an exact same amount. I would probably aim for, uh, I'd probably aim for a million sats, honestly, uh, if, if we're doing it right. But maybe five hundred thousand. We'll just kind of have a discussion and see what people have for liquidity to start with. Uh, but the bigger, the better, obviously. And then that one payment that gets looped through from the first guy all the way through the chain back to the first guy balances all those channels. And at the end of it, for the price of one channel, say we do a million sats. So for the price of one million sat channel, you actually have two one million sat channels open that are perfectly balanced. That's what I'd like to do uh, in, a, in the coming months, if we can organize that. Have you established a ring of fire that's not podcasters? I have, yep. Okay. So that was another thing through Sphinx. Sphinx is so cool because it has so many different tribes you can join, and you can go to tribes.sphinx.chat to look at them all. A lot of them are about running your own node. If you hop into that one, uh, people will help you with any problems that you encounter. Uh, Planet Sphinx is a great Sphinx troubleshooting tribe. Um, and there's one called Lightning Liquidity Lounge, which uh, there's a guy in there, Stem, uh, Stem R42. And he's the one that organized a lot of the Rings of Fire. So uh, I did a 6 million ring of fire with uh, five other participants in there and that allows you to route some payments through so I know that Adam and um, that Adam and Dave's vision for the routing on the podcast side is to keep fees super low and uh, you can build your node and customize each channel so that you're taking different fees depending on where you go so for that node over there what I'm running I'm trying to set it to where 
the fees are, they're not super high, but they're higher than they would be for podcasters that I'd set. Just so that when those payments route through, I'm getting enough in fees that I can afford to close and open more channels and keep everything running, keep payments routing. But yeah, it's it's something that's a lot of fun. And, you know, if if a lot of this sounds like Greek to you, uh, it's just like Dave said on the, on the podcasting 2.0, you know, when I started, I came in looking like a complete idiot. I was just like, I don't know what a channel is or what it does. I don't know any of this, but I'm still trying to do it. And the beauty of this community is that everyone will help you along and there's no way for it to make sense until you start, you know, driving the car, until you start going places and uh, sending sats here and there, uh, s- throwing things around. Uh, it's not going to make a lick of sense until you until you bite a chunk off and start chewing. Uh, shout out, by the way, to Servo. I just saw in the Sphinx chat. He boosted us. Hey, thanks, Servo. 3333. Thank you for that, sir. I'm bumming because I'm having Sphinx issues. Oh, yes. Yeah, nothing. The tribes won't update for me. Hmm. I have updated the app, deleted the app, reinstalled it. It's just nothing's working. Someone reached out to me to help, and I got the first message and then responded, and then nothing has come through since. Huh. That was like two weeks ago. So There's a boost from Boobery, 420. Oh, thanks, Boobs. See, it's cool. In real time, you can see what's going on and, and the boost coming through. Uh, yeah, I'll have to troubleshoot. I didn't even know. Oh yeah, well here now you know. <laughs> I might just need to restart Sphinx on the on the note itself. There's a lot of different things to play around with her handles to jiggle. Well, Tinker, uh, you actually just gave a friend the keys to the crypto car this week. I did. Yeah, uh, my boss at Fizzolino uh, and her husband. They were talking about. We were talking about, because we have Venmo tips that we do, and we have a QR code you can scan to Venmo people tips. And uh, at the last job I worked, I got $1 on the Venmo tips between two bartenders, so we split a dollar. Yeah, womp womp indeed. But uh, I was talking, and I was like, man, I really need to get a uh, a Bitcoin or a Lightning QR going on so people can tip me crypto. I was like, you know, most people with these things probably won't have it, but it's an interesting conversation piece to at least talk about it. And they were like, it was funny because he was like, yeah, more and more people have Bitcoin now. And then she was like, we don't, we don't have any. And I was like, oh, well, get a wallet. I was like, he was like, yeah, I'm just looking for which wallet to use. I don't know which wallet to use. Really trustworthy. And um, there's a lot of differing opinions on that kind of crap. The, it's sort of almost like a political or religious question in the end of the day where you're going to have to do your own research and choose your own uh, stuff that works or, you know, for health choices or anything else like that. Investment choices. This isn't advice. I don't give advice, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just tell you what I do. And my favorite software wallet is Exodus. Um, my favorite hardware wallets. I've never used one, so I can't really say. Um, all of the research points to uh, Treasure, Trezor and Ledger as being uh, kind of the top two in that space. Um, I, that, that'd probably be my next thing that I do in the crypto world is get some uh, hardware wallet for cold storage. Um, right now, though, all of the stuff that comes in will uh, be put into new channels to make because I want to make my nodes better connected, more connected. 
uh, C Mike asks, how do I change the boost amount to 420? And that's a that's an interesting question because there's it depends on where you're at. On the mobile app, you have to go to your profile to change the default boost. Uh, on the desktop app, you can kind of click the three dots on anybody's comment and type in a custom boost. But when you're just hitting the boost button on the podcast, it's just at 100. There's not really a way right now to switch it. And so that's another thing I should talk about within all of these apps and within, you know, what Adam said, newpodcastapps.com. Uh, we always want to plug that. All of these different apps are being developed as we currently speak. And even the podcasting 2.0, it's, the podcast itself has been around for, what, like a year? Uh, maybe? Something like very close to a year. So all of this is incredibly new and it's being worked on by most people as pet projects or as like a secondary to their full-time job. So a lot of it's hobbyists, a lot of it's... Um, you know, just a day at a time, kind of adding the adding new features, rolling things out. Something I've been playing with is CurioCaster, though. I mentioned it earlier. That that guy is adding so many different features, like, all the time. Like, the first time I tried it, he had the boosts and the tip jars. And uh, I was like, that's that's pretty cool, because I'd never seen the tip jar implement, implementation yet. But he, had, he didn't have sat streaming, and I think I mentioned it even on the show when I first tried it out. And then like the next day or two days later, he added sat streaming. So oh. it's always being updated and all these apps are always being updated. And that's another thing about being early, you know, you can help test it. And so there's two different ways to look at it, I guess. One of the ways is you come in and you're like, Oh, this is hard to use. Oh, it's not intuitive. Oh, this thing sucks. Uh, but the other way to look at it is, wow, this is brand new. I can be one of the guys giving feedback and suggestions on how to make it better. And, uh, you know, that's sort of what my mentality is, is let's come together as a community and build this entire ecosystem where we can all, you know, stream value to one another and from our audience and um, kind of build a system where we don't have to rely on all these different third parties, where we don't have to rely on PayPal taking whatever, whatever cut they want to take. Um, we don't have to rely on Spotify saying, oh, you know, we don't like you talking about that. So, uh, can't talk about that or wh whatever it happens to be, you know, uh, all the different silos that are being built right now, Apple podcasts, uh, Spotify, all the walled gardens, um, kind of is the antithesis of the original intent of the podcast, which was just, here's my RSS feed. You can subscribe from wherever you're at and listen what, every time I post an episode, it just comes to you, and you can listen to it, no matter who or where you are. Anyway, that's my that's my that's my rant, my preach, I guess. We're proud value for value pushers. That's right. The bowl after bowl guys are pushing the value for value so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard. I had to ISO the oh. so hard part, of course. Beautiful. Yes. I remember when we went out to the cannabis cup. In 2014, we were talking to some podcasters there who were complaining about content being taken down or yep. advertisers pulling out because they said a certain thing or endorsed someone else or took ad money from a different company. And we were like, you just got to go value for value. The No Agenda guys do yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt. And people were like, no, that's never going to work. All these doubters weren't able to hit anyone in the mouth there. But we tried. 
Try the like hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's two roads you can go down. And one is to pander to big advertisers and pander to these Silicon Valley douchebags uh, and censor yourself and toe, tiptoe the line and make just absolutely dumb, watered-down content. Or you can be your legitimate self. You can be real and, um, you know, you can ask your audience uh, if they get it or not, to thumbs up and thumbs down you. Because really, it's funny that, I don't know if you saw the Veritas thing that finally got released today. I only watched like two minutes that of it. He, that Houston reporter. Um, it's hilarious because it harkens back to me again to that meme of uh, Adventures of the Guy that just started paying attention. You ever see that? Uh-uh. Where he says like, I'm, be- I'm beginning to suspect that our government's not being completely honest with us. And uh, everything in the clip, it was like 17 minutes or something. Everything that they put out at Veritas today is like, it's been the central theme of No Agenda from the jump. It's that the news media is corrupted by advertisers and that the news media exists to manipulate their viewers on behalf of their advertisers and on behalf of their corporate ownership rather than existing to inform their viewers. And it was cool because the girl in uh, in question, and her name escapes me. It's like Hecker, I think. Ivory Hecker? Ivory Hecker, yes, that's right. Thank you. Uh, she was just talking about how, you know, none of this stuff that we're doing here at the Fox station in Houston represents what we were taught in J school. You know, they go into J school, and as a freshman, they teach you, you know, journalistic principles and the difference between reporting and propaganda and you know what uh what it means to be objective and to try and uh, remove bias from your reporting and to tell all sides of a story and then the longer you go through j school eventually it becomes about you know fitting into the box and towing the line and doing what you're told by an editor or by a news chief a newsroom chief or whatever it happens to be and they're just doing uh, what they're told by the corporate overlords and by the advertisers. And so that's why you see, get your vaccine, get your vaccine safe and effective, and you never hear anything about any adverse side effects. Whether you're on Facebook, whether you're watching the t- 6 o'clock news, doesn't really matter. It's all bought and paid for, and it's all designed to manipulate you rather than inform you. But good on that lady for saying she was muzzled on air. It was, it was cool. I think it'll get like a lot of... I think it'll be helpful for a lot of normies, especially in the Houston area. Exactly. Who actually, you know... Are tuned into their local news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we I, forgot to introduce our little co-host at oh, the beginning yes. of the show. And I know he's going to chime in. <laughs> he chimed in last show. That's true. By pooping his pants. <laughs> yeah, baby John is with us. Yeah, little John. Sir Oma had asked me in the chat... Or he just asked in general in the chat last show, ah, did Sir Spencer shit his pants? <laughs> and I've got two hands on the baby, so it's hard to type, and my keyboard is way too loud. Right. Uh, but I wanted to say, man, we would be in big trouble if you pooped on air because you don't wear pants. Right. So yeah. that would be a mess. Yeah, I would have to get a new office chair. Although I do have one ready to go in the garage. <laughs> we do. <laughs> office chair score. I'm thinking I'll probably get rid of the one you're sitting in. The loud one. It's the worst of the two. Yeah. It's loud and the stuff is falling off. The one I got is nice, like Lazy Boy leather chair. It's not like a recliner. It's an office chair, but it's like Lazy Boy brand. But 
It has no arms, which I think is kind of interesting because sometimes these arms kind of get in my way. You know, they box you in. Yeah. No freedom with the arms sometimes. It's nice to rest on them, but I don't think you know. There's trade offs. There's trade offs. Trade offs for sure. No trade offs for your birthday though. No, that was a fun time. We went bowling finally. Hitting the lanes. I've been bitching on the show for so long that it's like, oh, I've been two, three years since I've been bowling. So I finally reset the clock on that. And my buddy might want to do a league. So that's cool. Yes. Your pop, too. Yeah. Um, The more the merrier as far as leagues go, man. Hell yeah. Leagues are always fun. It's been so long since I was on a league, so. Yeah. I was uh, surprised that I wasn't very, I didn't feel rusty. Yeah, I didn't either. When I started rolling, I was like, wow, my average stayed the same. (laughs) Kind of unimpressive, like 135. (laughs) Mine went way down at the end because I had to (laughs) hold a Cena. She was like getting tired and inconsolable. So we stayed till closing time. Did some dad rolling. That's cool, though. And our three year old got to throw some balls. Yep. She got to learn how to roll. And then choose her own method. And at one point, she raised the ball over her head and just dropped it like a caveman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I was kind of bummed that they... I know this is a weird thing to say, but I was bummed they put the bumpers up for the kids. I kind of want to knock them down the whole time. But then there were some adults rolling on our kids' lane, our friends, who were like, yeah, I'm so glad the bumpers are up because it just sucks so bad. I was like, man, just practice. And also, who cares what you're rolling? It's bowling. I mean, for the kids that young, it's like, you got to have the bumpers or you got to have the little ramp thing, you know, it's like. Well, yeah, they have those cool ramp things, like you just said, where you just line it up in the lane and then they can just roll the ball down that and then it goes straight pretty much unless they knock it over, angle it funny. Yeah. I like that better. But I also just like them learning how to have a proper technique. Yeah. They're using a two pound ball. It's not like they can't throw it. Wasn't down it the like lane. six? Mm-mm. There was a two pounder oh my on God. that lane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a bouncy ball. <laughs> exactly. So. Holy moly. But it was fun. Yes. You also uh, got a real nice crack for your birthday from the chiropractor. <laughs> oh, man. That adjustment was intense. It was one of the. Uh, like, sometimes I watch chiropractor videos online. Of like life changing appointments, or I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we weren't going to a chiropractor, because I just needed it so bad, I was like, maybe if I watch someone else <laughs> get cracked, I'll feel better. Vicariously <laughs> experience the adjustment. Yeah, and people, you know, they cry, and they can like some MS patients can get out of their wheelchair. Just amazing things. And I thought you were having a moment. I mean, you did have a moment. You're like, just leave me here for a minute to yeah, the chiropractor. I, I, I did need a minute. You had some tears maybe streaming out the corners of your eyes in a good way. I was like misty eyed and like, I don't know, when I'm laying on my back and I get cracked, my legs just kind of like spread out (laughs) as like a (laughs) weird reflex or something. I don't know. I don't know either, but the And I always have to say like, holy shit or something fucking embarrassing. (laughs) Just because it's like so intense. It's fucking embarrassing! Well, yeah. It's not that embarrassing. I might think about switching our things to Mondays, you know? Because mm. we're here in the bowl on Tuesdays. Like, every every week now, it's like the night before getting adjusted. So, yeah. we're at like our worst. Yeah. 
of the week. It'd kind of be nice to just get adjusted I have to Monday. T- I have to tell you I would rather just keep our Wednesdays because I'm guaranteed Dr. Taylor, and I like the way he adjusts me. Okay. <laughs> I have a preference. That's fine. Love you too, Dr. Mary, but he just really gets there. He's like got stronger hands or something. He pushes you harder or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, excuse you, little guy. Oh, John. John had his two-week checkup like the day after... We went bowling for your birthday. Yep. Gained a full pound and the two ounces back. Yeah. And my midwife was uh, not happy that I went bowling. Yeah, your bowling is so low key, though. You know, I have you're a not very like, gentle style. You're not whipping <laughs> it down the lane like I do. Like you're, no. you don't have like wrist and forearm soreness the next day. No. No, it's all about just keeping a straight arm and letting it go. I roll a heavier ball. Yeah. Because I don't have the speed. You walk with your momentum to yeah. kind of roll it. Yes. But she still is like, you need to be staying home. Stop doing so much stuff. But I've been blessed with a fast recovery this time around. Yep. Difficult, more difficult birth than my priors and speedier recovery. Nice. It's been, yeah, kind of awesome. But, you know, it's not awesome. What's that? One of the oldest... Actually, the oldest male greater one-horned rhinos just died. Oh, no. At the Rolling Hill Zoo in Kansas. He was 33 years old. Yikes. Yeah. It was... Is that a good full life for a rhino? I don't know what rhinos... I think so. It was an age-related death, and like I said, he's the oldest Uh, male in the... uh, Species Survival Plan of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Huh. There's a mouthful for you, but they're keeping track of them. Nice. Trying to keep them alive, trying to keep them populating. Well, you hit 33. Reproducing, yes. You kicked off. So rest in peace, Joya. <laughs> rest in power. Rest in power. <laughs> I'm sure you saw um, the ABC 3340 reporter... Christopher Sines suicided. Yes. Of course, in 2016, back in Phoenix, Chris broke the story of the secret tarmac meeting between uh, Bill Clinton and then Attorney General Loretta Lynch. That's right. I brought a clip for this. Oh. He wrote a book, Secret on the Tarmac, and it was published last February, and so he did an appearance on Fox and Friends. Well, and you've paid the price for this career-wise. What kind of, you know, what kind of threats or what have you received? Well, my family this? received significant death threats uh, shortly after breaking this story. Uh, credit cards hacked. Um, you know, my children, we have code words. We have secret code words that they know what to do. Um, and that's why I came back to WBMA, ABC 3340 in Birmingham, mm-hmm. because when I was enduring the death threats, it was my former Alabama football family and my teammates, my coaches who circled around. Now... He just forgot to mention he wasn't suicidal. That would have yeah. been the cherry on top. It would have been a good uh, idea. Yeah. But he said he had code words with his kids and his whole family was getting death threats. Not cool. Not cool at all. Very suspicious. Did you ever have a code word? Yes, I do. See, I had a code word when I was little. I, st- I keep the same code word. <laughs> it was Jimmy Giles, man. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. I guess it's like some football player. Oh, that's not mine. 
Why I can't it, expose mine on air. In 1988 with the Philly Eagles, he caught a touchdown on one of the most memorable, <laughs> Wikipedia says, according to whom, plays in Monday Ugh. Night Football. Quarterback Randall Cunningham escaped a tackle from Giants linebacker Carl Banks and threw a touchdown to Giles. Was that like the immaculate reception thing? I don't know. Jimmy I'm Giles. Really like, not really like an enormous sports guy, but. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. If I ever need uh, help and your dad's the only person I can reach, I'm going to start saying it. Like, he'll no know way. something's up. He'll, there's no way he'll remember that kind of stuff now. Yeah, but he'll at least be like, Lauren was acting weird just talking about Jimmy Giles. Like, where did that come from, you know? Yeah, how the hell does he even know who Jimmy Giles is? Yeah, and it might, it might uh, jiggle the handle in his brain and remind him of teaching you guys your code yeah, word. well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah, he might just laugh it off, too. <laughs> uh, but I'm not laughing off this Georgia story that came up where there's no chain of custody documentation for 333,000 absentee ballots. Yeah. Rut row. There is an estimated 600,000 total mail-in ballots. More than half of them have no chain of custody documentation. What is up? And it's the first time an election official at the state or county level from a key battleground state has admitted to significant error in the election procedures for, of course, the November 3rd, 2020 election. So that was a wild story. That number was hidden in there. It wasn't in the headline. Um, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Eyes on you, Georgia. I mean, have been, but... <laughs> no doubt. Oh, and then there's a story about neighbors calling in with a strong odor coming from a certain California home. So, um... And for, law enforcement did a wellness check and found 33 cats and one dog living in filthy conditions. Can I get a ding-ding for my 33 cats there? Yeah. Unfortunately, seven of the cats were dead, which I'm sure contributed to the smell. Ugh. Three of them had to be euthanized due to the conditions. Oh. And uh, they say... A, a mini-ding. There was overflowing litter boxes and poop all over the place. So, the Humane Society and SPCA there are pursuing animal cruelty charges against the resident. Um, I've never had a cat. I have neighborhood cats right. that take care of things. But I have heard that, like, it's hard to stay at just one cat. People with cats seem to want more and more cats. And it seems to get out of control pretty quickly for folks. Yeah, that's what the uh, cats employing their mind control yeah i guess so mm -hmm. but doesn't work on me well we had the stray cat when i was a kid and it was such a dickhead that uh i did not miss it we ended up pawning it off on our grandma oh yeah yeah did she keep it forever yeah i don't remember if he died or ran away one day but i mean she it, still has cats it so. was a neighborhood stray that we just started giving tuna to you know and then like that was your mistake well, the mistake was then, like, keeping it inside all night, you know? Like, the cats will come around. You can do the tuna thing and still keep them outside. And you stuff. don't even have to do the tuna thing. The cats will come around. <laughs> Our black cat in the neighborhood who has a litter every year, year after year, she's cool as fuck. She just comes up and she'll purr on you. And mm -hmm. She's not mangy or anything. But... Our neighbor does feed it, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, I reap the benefits of 
the neighbor feeding it then. I just saw but that. She's very friendly. She's a unit, man. I just saw her carrying like a dead possum that was almost as big as her down the street. Hell yeah. And the neighbor told us she gets up on her roof and looks in through the skylights. Oh yeah, that's kind of creepy. It's totally creepy, but... makes a lot of sense. There's not much to see because we have like a shade drawn over those skylights. Yeah. Because in the summer, it's just unbearable. Having the sun come right in through that skylight, you know, you can't... You can't. It's like being an ant under a magnifying glass. You pull it back in the winter, though, it helps with the heating costs, but not in the summer. Can't do it. No. Too damn hot. But I do look forward to seeing her looking at me someday. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can see shadows through the... The blinds, the skylight covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my magic number stories wouldn't be complete if I didn't look into the Koof stories. <coughs> oh, shit. Yeah, 33 deaths reported in Oman and Punjab, India. Oh, man. Oh, man, Oman. <laughs> oh, oh, man, Oman. Then there were 33 new cases reported in a Cambodia province, Graves County, Kentucky, Massachusetts... Maui, Monroe County, New York, and Clark County, Washington. Keep spitting them out. The CDC also updated its travel guidance and moved 33 countries down to their lowest level of travel risk. Of course, it's only safe to travel if you've gotten the jab, according to those guys. Sure. But hey, these places uh, are not of travel risk to the inoculated. (laughs) So AstraZeneca got slammed. Some slam pieces against them because their antibody cocktail had a study and was found to be only 33% effective at preventing COVID symptoms. Oh, man. Yeah. I guess it's like if someone in your house gets sick with the COOF, you you would go if this, you know, had passed and gotten FDA approval. You'd go and get this jab, which is just antibodies. To it's, prevent. it's still a jab, though. It's, it's a still jab, an injection. Yeah. But... Exactly. I'm not. I don't like needles. <laughs> but then it said, uh, it was weird because when you're looking through the documents, you know, people can use data to manipulate the narrative however they want. Well, if a person hadn't been infected with the coof, it was. It appeared to be 92 percent effective. Hmm. But if you had the coof, you know, if you had a positive test, that's when it just didn't do anything for you. And is that the efficacy being measured? Is is if you test positive or negative, or if you? Oh, it says failed to prevent symptoms. So yeah, that's, that's the full Monty. Yep, that's so. what it should be too. Is like symptoms. I don't give a shit what a PCR test says. If no. you if you're not sick, you're not sick. Exactly. The asymptomatic thing is such a crock. Bunch of bullshit, it's man. A bunch of bull. But, yeah, that was a preliminary study of 1,100 adults in the U.S. and the U.K. Hmm. Then, a 33-year-old music teacher in England pled guilty to faking a fit-to-fly certificate. Oh, rough. I hadn't heard that term before, fit-to-fly. Fit-to-fly. But I guess you just have to show a negative test result. Right. And what happened is he altered a PDF of a negative test result he had gotten back in February. Oh, just to keep keep doing it yeah well he forgot a number somewhere and the egyptian airline worker caught that it was missing a digit rough so he was found guilty of forgery and counterfeit offense of making a false instrument (laughs) then they uh let him out on bail and he left england 
promising to return for the hearing. Oh, yeah. I'll be right back, I swear. <laughs> See ya. Now, yeah, I, fuck that. Have you been hearing about this Delta variant? Oh, yeah. Okay. It was got... the India variant originally, right? Was it? I don't know. I think it was the India variant originally, and then... Uh, Is that too racist? Well, it's a combination of that, and also Indian researchers said, bullshit, it did not come from here. Mm. And uh, so now they call it the Delta. I would say that, too, if I were the Indian researchers, because it worked for China. Damn. Don't look over here. Variant. What's Stop that blaming variant? us. Not from us. Variant. Yeah, so I brought a clip. The UK tell. Oops. Go for it. All right, I'm going for it. Sorry. The UK Telegraph talked to researchers. They say this Delta variant is causing different symptoms and it could become the dominant strain spreading across America in just a matter of weeks. Dumb if you're it. under 40, be on the lookout for a headache, sore throat, and runny nose. Oh my. If you're over 40, you might experience a headache, runny nose, and sneezing. Oh, Jesus. So I heard that. Not sneezing. On our local news and I was just like, allergies? A headache, runny nose, and sneezing, and a sore throat. Oh, a, a sore throat life. if you're under 40, but sn- full-blown sneezing if you're over 40. Yeah. God, we've got to be the most retarded people of all time, <laughs> don't we? Are we just the dumbest motherfuckers of all time? I feel uh, many folks have been duped by this, for sure. <sighs> I feel stupid now. Um, it's the weed. Yeah, it's time to go behind the curtain. Hell yeah. Forget about it. Here we go. Well, I guess we can't totally forget about it because, you know, Joints for Jabs started up. I know you're half retarded. Yesterday, I think, in Washington State, or maybe last Monday. Oh, did they actually find people that would do it? No. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. I wanted not. to thank Phone Boy for tagging us in the article on the socials, the No Agenda Social. But yeah, dispensary owners aren't participating in this crap. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. They have to. And a legal quagmire as well. Yes. I didn't realize that to get your joint for the jab, you have to be jabbed at the dispensary. Right, yep. And what healthcare provider would want to put their federal funding at risk by jabbing people in an illegal operation? They didn't think it out at all. Yeah. And also, the program expires on July 12th, so it doesn't give people enough time to get the second jab, which just goes against the narrative, right? You need both. It's not effective if you don't get both, right. blah, blah, blah. J&J is out, right? Well, so. and another thing I was thinking of is, what if you're already vaccinated, but you just want a joint, you know? So you go and get another jab. Because there's no screening for that. There's yeah. only screening for if you haven't actually got it, but not if you have got it and got a second one. I've, I thought about that in our local area when they were giving out food mm-hmm. and then they were giving out diapers and it was like different incentives all the time. And I thought, man, if someone was really hard up, they just might. Yeah. And that is not good. I mean, I would know. not. Rec- I'm not a doctor, but I wouldn't recommend that. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know. Getting more than you need. Uh, the dose makes the poison. I don't know. I don't know how the mRNA works at all, so. Yeah, but then they were, uh, I read in that article, they're like, well, hey, you know, pot shops that give away free product, you can write off the product you give away on your taxes, get a little tax break. <laughs> the the bars, they don't get to write off the beers they're giving out. I was like, man, I would say woo, but 
they're still getting slammed with Section 180E. They can't write off any normal business expenses. Why? Because they're a pot shop and it's federally illegal. So it doesn't mean anything. How stupid have we been? And yeah, all the other businesses, you can just flash your card and get the free the freebies or whatever. I don't understand why they have to treat cannabis businesses differently. How stupid have we been? <laughs> they, they interviewed a healthcare provider in there who was like, Oh, no one has reached out to us to see if we would, you know, put up a little pop-up clinic in there. And then the journalist asked them, well, would you? And they were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) We, quote, we would not be able to provide vaccine because of concerns about federal funding. Yeah, exactly. You can't, uh, you can't, it's insurance liability. It's everything. It just fucks up everything. Mm -hmm. So. Jay Inslee's a fucking idiot. (laughs) Oh, joke. But we had some good news here in Missouri. Um, a a 420 POW has been released in the Show Me State. Fuck yeah. The last Missouri 420 POW to be freed was Jeff Mazansky in 2015 by Governor Jay Nixon. But Governor Parson released Robert Franklin, who was put in prison with a 22-year sentence after he tossed a pound of weed from his car during a traffic stop. Oh, man. It was. It happened in Saline County, yeah, Missouri. And unfortunately, what happened was he was a prior and persistent offender. Right, right. Under the law. So they Almost slammed like a him. Strike kind of thing. Exactly. And, you know, they have the mandatory minimums, too, which the mandatory minimum was 10 years. So you add strikes to that, and the judge is just going to have a heyday with your sentence. Yeah, the Um, mandatory minimums are so heinous because, and even sentencing guidelines are pretty stupid because it it doesn't uh, give the judiciary their co-equal standing as a branch of government, you know, the... The executive branch writes the laws, and then the judicial branch is supposed to review and, uh, you know, dole out punishments of those laws according to each case on a case by case basis. So if you put in a, a mandatory minimum in there, then there's no there's no judiciary oversight at all. No, you're you're letting legislatures be the judge, which is bullshit. Exactly, it's not how it's supposed to work. No. And, um, and those fucking legislators always bitch about co-equal, co-equal, branch of government, co-equal. And then they just step on the judiciary's dick constantly. Well, the earliest Mr. Franklin will be released is July. Hmm. And he said he plans to move to Columbia so that he can be near his 14-year-old daughter, who, think about this, grew up knowing her dad only through phone calls and prison visits. So fucked up. It is messed up. It's just what? wrong. Yes. For this guy that didn't hurt anybody, threw a pound of weed out the window. Yep. It's crazy. When, you know, it'd be great if things changed, but don't hold your breath. Last Token Tuesday, though, the Pain Management Committee for the NFL and NFL Players Association made an announcement. They're going to provide a million dollars in funding for research into pain management with weed and other cannabinoids. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Yeah, they talked cool. about... so if you're in the NFL? Well, they 
the rest of their press release is just like CBD, CBD, CBD. It's better uh, than opiates, right? Yeah. I'm like, uh, okay, well, we'll see where it goes. There's been plenty of research on the herb right. and its medical properties. It's and be like so the most researched uh, substance of all time. No joke. But yeah, it must be nice to be an NFL player. And now they'll, you know, I mean, aside from what they make every year and uh, getting to play ball for your job, that's pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah. And then now you can, you know, uh, medicate yourself in a safe way, a safe and effective way, mm. potentially. So they're expecting to award five grants around Thanksgiving. So I'm sure it'll be a huge, like, virtue signaling um, topic for them at the Super Bowl. Sure. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. That's just my little prediction. Uh, Arkansas, their medical weed sales exceeded $330 million last month. And their market only launched in 2019. Wow. So good on them. And Maine had a record sales month with $5.4 million of recreational weed selling for the Pine Tree State. Yeah, they're a lot smaller state. Yeah. But still. But still. Millions of dollars. It's raining rolling. in. Rolling in. Yes. Stacking Can't up. stop it. Can't stop the weed industry. Nope. Now... You remember in Montana, they passed a House bill that amended the voter-approved recreational law? Right. Well, there was an opposition group that we had mentioned that had a lawsuit against the voter-approved recreational law. Uh Um, They claimed that the initiative language was unconstitutional because it earmarked a portion of tax revenues from retail marijuana sales. And they argued that only the legislature can determine how tax revenue is spent. Well, you won't be surprised to hear they have dropped their lawsuit. Right. Because the legislature has now determined how the tax revenue will be spent. Yeah. And amended the voter-approved law completely. So. Well, that's such stupidity. Because when the when there's a voter initiative, then it's just the voters making a legislative decision. So... That should include how the tax revenue is spent. Hello. But, you know, they're going to ant fuck every little thing. Of course. And they've seen the playbook in other states, too. So it's just going to happen more frequently mm-hmm. while it can. It's not quite as irritating as the old uh, multiple concerns uh, strike oh. down like they do in Nebraska and other states. They did Nebraska so wrong. Yeah. That's, Saying just, that's just horseshit. You can only have one topic per initiative okay that makes sense to me but then they argue growing buying and you know whatever selling weed is three separate topics no it's all weed it's called creating a market that's one topic Ugh. yeah that's so wrong it's just blatantly stupid but they're gonna keep fighting the good fight they're already collecting signatures for round two you know yeah fuck if they have to do Three amendments or just settle for one thing at a time? I don't know. Ugh. Poor Nebraska. They'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, Connecticut. I told you they had that recreational bill, but their, you know, session is coming to an end soon. Yes. Well, they're going to hold a special session tomorrow at 10 a.m. just to go over this recreational bill. Oh, neato. So maybe Connecticut will be the next recreational state. 
Yeah. Could be. Rhode Island doesn't have such good news, though. They had three separate recreational bills that had been introduced, and with no compromise, they've just stalled. Huh. So they're proposing a special session after the budget, maybe in the summer or the fall. Well, good luck. Special with that. session. Seems like a good way to go if uh, you know, your governor is ready to sign into it. <laughs> right. It's just like, hey, you know, let's just let's just have a special session and pass this. It's about time. Yeah. Well, especially if the the session's up cuz they were just trying to run the clock out. And you're like, "Well, you know what? <laughs> we'll start the clock again." Fuck yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Um did you see the Drug Policy Reform Act bill that was introduced today? I did not see that. Representatives Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey and Cory Bush of Missouri introduced mm. it. Um, it would end criminal penalties for drug possession federally. That's all drugs. Wow. Uh, it would also incentivize state and local governments to adopt decriminalization policies by limiting their eligibility to receive funds if they don't. Huh. So, yeah, that's pretty good incentive, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's a step in the right direction after all. Yeah, so. But, you know, bills can't just be that simple. Like, oh, let's get rid of the Controlled Substances Act. No, no. It proposes moving regulatory power from the Attorney General to the Secretary, Secretary of Health and Human Services, expunging records, resentencing folks, uh, reinvesting in alternative health-centered approaches, which I don't know what that means. Um, I didn't do extensive research on it either. But, you know, you can guess. Uh, it would prohibit drug tests for individuals to receive federal benefits. That's mm. cool. It would prohibit the use of civil asset forfeiture related to personal drug possession cases. That's huge. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it would establish, this is where you lose me, it would establish a commission on substance use, health, and safety to determine benchmark amounts for drug possession and publish a report including recommendations for preventing the prosecution of individuals processing, distributing, or dispensing personal use quantities of drugs. Uh, so they're going to like try to figure out what personal use really means. Yeah, and then create this whole new entity. That you know, I just don't like the creation of new entities. There's so many out there. Right. Like, let's get rid of some. Seems to do a lot, but my prediction is this will not go anywhere. No. Introducing it like towards the end of the session. It could whatever. You know, know. It could pass the house, but I would be shocked, but there's no way in hell it'll pass the Senate. No. Decriminalize all drugs. Possession of them. Yeah, and I then think that you know, part's what's, great. What's the amount? And, you know, I don't know. If you're driving, does that, like, change things? I don't know. So many questions. So little answers and so much uh, cynicism. I just, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So I'm not going to, like, invest myself in it. Yeah. (laughs) But there was a lawsuit in Florida in 2018 from a cannabis company, Floragrown. They said that the licensing process um, was, well, that's what they sued over, the licensing process. Sure. It's what people there's, do when they don't get their license. No, they got a license. Uh, there's oh? only, But there's only 22 licensed operators. Ah, that's pretty low. Um, yeah, six of those account for 90% of sales. So they were hoping that the state would provide standalone licenses for small businesses and break up the vertical scheme that's going on. Sure. Um, but the Florida Supreme Court just ruled against them 
this week in a six to one decision saying that the Florida legislature met its constitutional obligations in enacting a limited license vertical structure. So now that the lawsuit's over, the state's licensing freeze can come to an end and they predict regulators will start issuing about 15 new vertical licenses over the next six months. So those licensed medical operators can get more licenses and pretty much no one can come into the game, it seems like, Mm. if I'm reading it correctly. So that's a tough one. Yeah, that's that's just anti-competition. Yeah. I hate license caps. I hate caps of all kinds. You know, just let everyone who wants to... Run a pot shop, run a I know, pot shop, it should or just if they want to grow. As simple grow. as having a little like produce stand at the end of your driveway type thing, you know. Exactly. You're bringing me. You're making me want to say you should just regulate it like tomatoes. <laughs> I love it. Tomato model. It is really the only rational way. Just take it off the Controlled Substances Act and don't worry about it, government, law enforcement. Don't worry about it. The longer time goes by, the more I regret not just saying fuck it and joining the tomato model guys and. 2015. I gave them love. Did I sign their petition? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I wasn't you know? attacking them actively like all the other doofuses. No. But, uh, no. <laughs> there's, the, there's the lobbyists and the people who go through the chains of command right. and get it passed <laughs> with money and power. And that's great. And we needed them because it seemed like the only way, you know? But Right. Well, I was just like, whoa, I want to be taken seriously. Yeah, it's like, whoa, I wasn't taken seriously either fucking way, so. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's a weed. You burned and you learn, baby. You burned and you learn. It's a damn weed. God put it here for us to enjoy. Anyway, the Ohio State Medical Board added a few uh, new qualifying conditions for medical up there. Uh, Huntington's hunt, yeah, Huntington's disease, hmm. spasticity or severe muscle spasms, and terminal illness. You can now get medical weed if you're going to die. Wow. Just now. You, you, you might die. Earlier in the year, um, they did grant separate requests to add arthritis, chronic migraines, and complex regional pain syndrome, but rejected petitions to include autism spectrum disorder and restless leg syndrome. Huh. So they're not letting everyone who wants medical get well, medical you know the autism guys and the restless leg guys can both just go back to the muscle spasm category though i like the way you think the muscle spasm category is a open secret of a catch all for how to get a card no matter who you are well isn't being born a terminal illness <laughs> <laughs> yes change my mind well played oh <laughs> uh, yeah existence yeah um, Existence is a terminal illness. A emerald market or black market operation got busted up in Colorado. Twenty-one individuals were arrested. They were—it uh, was a huge money laundering scheme. Um, they were sending millions of dollars from growing pot through social media apps to China. This investigation started back in August of 2020. Um, thousands of plants have been seized. Hundreds of pounds of packaged weeds and about a million dollars were taken. Charges range from racketeering and conspiracy to drug cultivation, distribution, and money laundering. Um, federal investigators followed the money and found that it cycled from the United States to China 
to Central and South America and then back to the United States. Oof. And two of the folks picked up in this were also involved in the illegal Oklahoma grow we talked about in episode 80, which was entitled, I Shitted My Priorities. <laughs> what a title. Yeah. They had 20 grow houses um, out in Oklahoma, and they were sending all the money to China. Ah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they're cool, not licensed, man. obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the first red flag. Oh, wait, those people are growing? Do they have a license? New. Then you then if you send the money electronically, I mean, what are you doing to the Chinese? Well, don't get me started. Them's fighting words. Yeah, they called you, trying to buy our house. They did call me, and you missed your opportunity to say fuck the CCP. Yeah, or to make a hard bargain with them. I should have been like one point two million dollars. Yeah, or I mean, let's be reasonable, six hundred fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> you start high and then you haggle down, you know. Yeah. I'll settle for six hundred thousand dollars for my little house in the hood. Yeah, I, I would sell for six hundred k. Live right in beautiful Kansas City. No problem. <laughs> Come on in. Quiet neighbors, empty lots. Don't look up. <laughs> lots of trash. <laughs> Don't look up the neighborhood uh, average price. No, just pay six hundred k. Well, I got a flyer in the mail that was like, "Do you own?" And it was one number off, and it was literally a picture of the fence between. Our house and our neighbor's house. It was like, do you own this house? We'd like to buy it. And it was some Chinese little website that it was linked on. I was like, what the heck? You guys are tripping and you're spending money to send me junk mail. Yep. Fuck off. It's the worst. Now, California's legislature just approved a $100 million plan to strengthen the legal industry, which they say is having a real hard time competing against the emerald market, even though recreational has been legal for five years. Well, it's just, the taxes are too goddamn high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This just passed yesterday. I mean, who wants to go in and pay, like, $400 an ounce or some shit? Not I. Not I. That's Uh, not true in all states. Like, I would say Colorado's pretty competitive, but a lot of states are overtaxed, and so it's like, well, you know. This is what happens. Yeah. The black market evolves to an emerald market. We've been warning of this for years and years, but... But not enough people listening to uh, Bull After Bull. (laughs) So, here we are. Here we are. California is going to be sending out grants to cities and counties to help these businesses transition from their provisional licenses to regular licenses, which can be renewed annually. You remember when we talked about that? Yeah, the provisional How, thing. A lot of these folks are on provisional temporary licenses. Well, I guess the process to get your permanent license is super complicated. Probably uh, expensive as shit, too. It's very expensive, yeah. but it requires developing a plan to reduce the harms of the industry's negative environmental impacts. Oh, because my you're, God. Because you don't have a day job already. No, you have to do this homework to get your license. I would say, honestly, that would stop me there. I'd be like, well, does this provisional license last forever? I guess I'll just stay on this. <laughs> Fucking ludicrous. Ridiculous, yeah. And they Weed offsets the carbon. It breathes in carbon dioxide. There you go. That's it. Exactly. God, how fucking stupid. They make the most asinine pleas, man. It's how pretty... stupid have we been? Yeah, it, it, it's pretty stupid. Um, 
And another stupid thing is um, these neighborhood responsibility plan fees. Uh, Sacramento, they're currently being sued by a bunch of weed businesses for this. Um, they take out 1% of gross revenue to make up for these alleged like negative impacts that weed businesses have on their neighborhoods. But the city hasn't identified a single negative impact yeah, from the just cannabis a, businesses. It's just another dumbass slush fund. Yeah. So, see you in court. And, uh, and I mean, they're paying that 1% on top of a business operations tax, too. And then Section 180 coming in federally. Ugh. They're just getting slammed. They're getting butt slammed. And my, my final weed story for tonight for this Token Tuesday, is that after receiving eight complaints about a growing operation's odor since March of 2019, Santa Barbara County has finally filed the jurisdiction's first nuisance lawsuit against a ranch and their farms. Yeah. But the real ticker is that uh, this growing op doesn't have a license. Oh, well, (laughs) that would be the biggest problem, right? Yeah. But it was the uh, odor complaints that tipped him off, and I'm just surprised people would or can complain about the odor of weed. I mean, yeah, it's a stanky plant. What do you expect? I just don't understand the guys that die. I don't know. Maybe people have like a negative connotation for it. Every time I smell weed, I'm always like, yeah, yeah. I say, mm, that smells good. I mean, especially sometimes, the stinkier shit, you know. Sometimes I smell a skunk and I'm like, mm, that smells all right. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. They just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, total fucking buzz kills. It man. smells like skunk. That's a good good. That's a good good, man. <laughs> he ain't even unzipped the backpack but, yet. Yeah, like um, imagine if everywhere where there's growers, they just start getting... Uh, Attacked with these uh, public nuisance because you stank <laughs> charges. I mean, the stankier the better, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> public so. service more like than the nuisance. Oh yeah, you just you smell that weed as you're walking in your home. You're like, ah, yes, I'm home. Oh. <laughs> but gotta, gotta love it. Yeah. So our first time I ever for tonight. First time I ever held a baby. First time you ever held a baby. You want to weigh in on that? 816-607-3663. That's 816-607-DOOF. DOOF. You can doof as a voicemail uh, like this caller did. Hey, guys. So I was listening to episode 85, and y'all were behind the curtain talking about this cannabis rehabilitation program, and I don't know if it was or just, I don't know because I have too much time on my hands. But I realized that the acronym for that is CROP, C-R-O-P. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not. I thought it was kind of hokey of them to, to use that. But, oh. hey, that's just me. CROP. So, yeah, anyways, uh, in the bowl. It's me. C-R-O-P, that's funny. In the bowl, Phoenix. Good catch. Good observation. Uh, then she weighed in on the uh, topic, I believe. All right, the first time I held oh. a baby. Um, okay. It's hilarious how Phone Boy and Phoenix look like the same word when you look at them side by side. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, this is not Phoenix. This is Phone Boy. All right. The first time I held a baby, um, honestly, I think, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not saying this just because of the significance of it, of course, but, but 
think the first time I held a baby was uh, when my son was born, which was almost 21 years ago. Uh, wow, he's because, Yeah, he turns uh, 21 at the end of um, this month. Happy and, birthday. Uh, yeah, Early. you know, it, it's been a long time coming. And, yeah, that was, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, or whichever you want to look at it. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't want to come out. His head was kind of big, apparently. Um, and, uh, didn't, did not want to, did not want to go out the traditional way. So uh, yeah, there yep. was a C-section involved. Um, and so, yeah, I got to hold my son before my wife and I, um, I got to tell you, that was uh, something else. Uh, seeing a new life come into the world, um, is about as amazing as it gets as far as experiences go. Um, and yeah, that is, uh, you know, yeah, that's the first time I did it. I mean, I don't even think I did it as a kid. I don't remember doing it as a kid. I mean, I felt kittens and puppies and whatever. But, um, yeah, the first memorable time was, yeah, when, when my son was born. And that was, uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, almost 21 years ago now. God, it's, uh, um, yeah, I guess I'm getting old now. But, uh, oh, you learned. You know, anyway, I can, all I can say is, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that, that is what it is. Um, it's amazing stuff. No doubt. Get out of my vagina! <laughs> nice. Perfect. Well played. Phone uh, dad. Phone daddy. Yeah, that's good stuff. You think if uh, you'd have been in a the hospital, they would have made you C-section? Definitely. Don't. It was taking too long. And I don't... Uh, well, I did learn something from John's checkup last week, which was interesting to me because i i was asking about like pelvic floor specialists and my midwife was like why are you asking about this kind of stuff and i'm like well i just like the cervical lip really shook me like i i wasn't expecting it i don't know what caused it and she just straight up was like he was in a funny position and it's like well you can't expect every baby to be in the perfect position how many funny positions just end up in like c-section or well the cervical lip where it's like all it took was putting my body into a certain position and then my midwife like pushing that lip down reaching in there and pushing it which that's the thing they're probably not going to reach inside you and uh, help it out without like the the weird little grippy things or the whatever they use oh using a tool instead or yeah i don't know and also i've uh in emergency situations sometimes hospital workers aren't the best at explaining what the fuck is going on right and they do consider births an emergency so or that's the way it seems yeah I haven't experienced it myself, knock on wood, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that, though. I think if I had decided to go to a hospital, they would have just been like, well, he's stuck. Time for a C-section. Because he was stuck. I think so, too. It just took some jiggle in the handle and creative minds to figure I, it I out. I think right around the time where she said, you can relax and try and rest, they would have probably been like, well, you got to be sliced open. I agree. And when she said that, that worried me so much. I was like, what is going on? And she was uh, powwowing and then calling in a second midnight midwife. I was like, she doesn't know what's going on either, maybe. So, yeah. but we, f- we all figured it out together. It's wild. Birth is a wild experience. And a unique journey for every single soul that enters this realm. Decides to come Earthside. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I still feel really positive about my experience. Oh, no doubt. My midwife does the check on me every time. Every every time I've seen her post-birth, even right after the birth. So how did you feel about your birth? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know it didn't go as I expected and that I've been like the easiest 
client for you this whole time. Uh, but like, I still feel really good because we did it at home. I didn't have to compromise on my birth plan. Some of those required questions crack me up. Like, uh, she'll always ask you, do you feel like not taking uh, care of your baby? Yeah. Or stuff like that. Yeah. Well. Or at the blood screening they do the day after where they're like, is he up for adoption? Yeah. Yeah. And when, I was like, hell no, he isn't. Yeah. Filling out the birther, getting a birth certificate ready, things in order to get him a social security number, ugh, all the government fun stuff. You ain't yeah. getting this baby from me. No. Man. But postpartum depression is very real. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I... I am worried. I feel like there might be some moms out there, though, who they're like, hey, uh, you ever feel like not taking care of yourself or not caring for your baby? And they might just be like, no, of course not. But it's like secretly shit's going wrong. But I have loved on this boy ever since I met him. <laughs> I told you guys that my heart is a flutter. My I got butterflies in my tummy when I see him. He's just so great. And he's been so easy. He just chugs the milk. Feeding him takes 15 minutes, and then he sleeps. Yep. As long as I would let him. Pretty late. I gotta, like, wake him up to be like, hey, time to chug again. Chug a lug. This next caller's time to chug. (coughs) (coughs) Bowlers. Hey. How y'all doing? First time I ever held a baby. I'm pretty sure it was when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And it was my younger brother when he was born. Yeah. And uh, mom came home with the hospital from him. Um, <laughs> my mom came <laughs> home from the hospital with him. Nice. And uh, yeah, a typical thing. You want to hold your baby brother? <laughs> and I did. And I felt like I was going to drop it. Yeah. Or him, you know, I guess he identified as a male early on. <laughs> you can spot it right away. And, uh, yeah, and nothing too exciting about that experience. Um, <laughs> and then uh, older brothers, they, they had kids um, when I was still young, so holding them and then babysitting them. Yeah. Uh, you know, those babies really squirm when you sit on them. <laughs> For a little while, anyway. Well played, Mr. Fletcher. That was funny. I thought that the transcription had goofed when it said, Mom came home with the hospital from him. (laughs) She brought the whole hospital home. Uh, Yeah, she took it from the baby, brought it to the house. (laughs) There was a good uh, potential title in there. It was something about, you want to hold your little brother. It said, you want to hold your paper on there. Maybe hold your paper on there. Hold your paper it's on It's got there. potential. It's got potential. When's the, what's the first baby you ever held? Okay. It was Halloween. Spooky. I, I'm trying to remember how old I was. This whole thing is very, very spooky. I know uh, it was the year Star Wars Episode One came out because oh, my like Halloween costume was Queen Amidala. 98? 99? Something like that? I think so. And my, let's see, my grand aunt's son i don't know relations this is my cousin i just call everyone my cousin 99 99 so i was six i was six magic number six for holding babies uh-huh. uh so my cousin came over with his new baby girl and 
His wife was like, Lorian, do you want to hold him? Her? <laughs> I'm holding my own baby. He was a boy, but... Uh, <laughs> she was like, do you want to hold the baby? And I was like... I was so scared because I'd never seen a baby before. And I was like, um, yes, but I don't know how. So, and she was like, well, just, you know, go sit on the little love seat and then I'll just put her in your lap. Yeah. And I was like shaking because she just looked so fragile and yeah. incapable of doing anything, like holding her head up. I was like so nervous. Um, but I held her and then, you know, you get comfortable once you have it. Right. Have the baby it. Have the baby in your grasp. You're like, oh, man. And I remember I was like, what the heck is that with the umbilical cord? Yeah. You know, because they had it. They had hers like taped down, but you could still see that like brown, icky, creepy cord. And they're just like, oh, that was her umbilical cord it's gonna fall off i was like it's gonna fall off i was horrified i was like what is this it is nasty what the heck it just falls off and she's like yeah and then you know that's her belly button i'm like wow okay so learned a few things then yeah um but they had a little clown costume for her for halloween so (laughs) i was holding a baby clown (laughs) looking at its creepy umbilical cord and i'm just like queen amidala (laughs) how did you turn out so normal Oh, am I normal? Relatively. Is this normal? <laughs> yeah, I, I made it out uh, unscathed. Journalism school was the real test. Oof, That's yeah. where I really could have gotten damaged. Sucked into the dark side. Lost my brain. Yeah, well. Gone just, insane. You just followed the light, you know. Yeah, that's like all this you next can do. Color. Hey, 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 they're in the bowl, yo. Hey, hey. Good evening. Good evening. Chokers and smokers and jokers. Hey. Hey, Lorian and Spencer. It's good to talk to you, even though it's not totally interactive. Tiny bit. I'll still get to hear you. I will be out and buzzing around, not in chat. However, first time I ever held a baby that I can recall was as a child mm-hmm. and asking somebody to, if they would trust me. And it was, honestly, it felt magical <laughs> <laughs> that, that they trusted me. Yeah. They knew I was responsible. And it was, it just, something as a female just connects so, well, everything connects so deeply with the maternal protective instincts. Sure. And then I got into babysitting as early as my mother would let me. Um, yeah, she was, whoops, sorry about that. Um, she was, she was a beast. <laughs> she was overprotective about some things and underprotective about others, but I got to start babysitting at 13, like yeah. 12, 13. So um, holding babies then was, was such an honor and it, it's just, it really brings out inside of you the height of humanity, I believe. Sure. I, I feel. I don't know really what to tell you else <laughs> other than that. There's nothing surprising or exciting. No, but, it, uh, it's, it's still profound. Yeah, though, it's yeah. a neat FTIE this week, especially with the new cub. Hell yeah. And um, I was a really good babysitter. Yeah, I just thought I'd share that. <laughs> for all the years that I babysat, I was I very see. protective. I, I could was, see that for sure. Fiercely um, perceptive and very nurturing with the kiddos. Yeah. Um, okay. Wait. 
And, um, sorry, you're, if you heard that, you're, those are my notifications. <laughs> so I actually think I might call back. It's late now. The show is starting, but I might call back if you start talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I'm not involved in it yet. Yeah. Um, to tell you a story, one of my babysitting stories. Creepy. Involving a baby and the protection of them. I love you both. Have a good evening. And, uh. Have a great show. Love you, Quirkness. Yeah, we love you, Quirkness. She knew, bro. How did she know? She knew I was going to talk about Bitcoin for like a long time. <laughs> Somehow she already just knows what is on my mind. She read my mind. I love that. Talking about the maternal awakening and such. I don't have good words for it. Yeah. You spoke more eloquently than I can, Quirkness, <laughs> but I totally relate to that. It was like... Yeah, when I, that, my first, that's why I remember the first time I held a baby. It was little. so profound to me. Yeah. It was like, this is it. This is life. We all start here. Now I want a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is awesome. I can make these. Yeah, no doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's a wild ride, man. Cause it's like, they're so weirdly fragile and sturdy at the same time and in different ways, you know? Yeah. It's like when you're holding a baby in your hands, there's a lot more there than you'd think, you know? They're like, they feel heavier than you would assume that they feel. And I guess you also have like past experience leading up to it with just dolls, you know, which are super light and unrealistic. Um, And they have that kind of dead weight flop with them too, you know? So that's why you gotta like hold them at their neck slash on uh, the bottom of the skull and then under the butt, you know, those are kind of like the two places. Yeah. Butter lower back. It's cause they're so heavy and bendy, you know? <laughs> First time I ever held a baby though was my sister. And I was only two years and a month. Oh, when she brought, I brought home from the hospital, <clears throat> 25 and a half months, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Just doing the math in my head. Yeah, I mean, I held her the first day, right right immediately when she got back from the hospital. And then, uh, you were as close and tight growing up. What'd you think? It was just sort of like, uh, I like what Quirk has said about being protective, just being, like, uh, committed to helping be a protector for this little life, you know? Yeah. At its early stages. Yeah. And then every time, like an asshole, when we'd drive past uh, the hospital in Liberty on the interstate... What do I say? There's the hospital where we're going to get the baby. <laughs> Every time, dude. It was like, it was one of those dumbass kid things where it was like, my parents would always like roll their eyes when they'd start to see Liberty Hospital. <laughs> because they just say it every fucking time. Like, oh. there and back, you know? Although I more often said it at night because at night it stands out. It's all lit up and the lights and signs are lit up. and Yeah. But I'd say it sometimes during the day, too. Like, sometimes if we would go into Liberty and then come back, I'd say it both ways, you know? Yeah. Goofy. Did you hold many babies between your sister and Ray, our firstborn? Really? I would say the second baby I held was this coworker, my dad's. They lived down in the city. Oh, wow. And they had a little baby. I probably had to be seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Yeah. I think it was when that, uh, oops, I did it again, Britney Spears album <laughs> was out. That's how to date it. I think it was around then. Yeah, they had a little baby. I held it. 
Because um, for me, there were no other babies between my cousin and Rayla, see, my now, firstborn. That's interesting because my youngest cousin was born the same, around the same time my sister was, I think in the same year. But I don't remember holding her. I don't remember holding the baby cousin. We would go up there once or maybe twice a year, you know, to see my family in Iowa. So, But I don't remember holding her as a baby. Possibly hmm. I did, but if I did, I don't remember it. I definitely remember holding my sister, though. Yeah. And I was extra young at the time. I was only like two. That's awesome that to, you remember that, It's hard though. to remember a lot of stuff from back then. Most of the things that I can remember uh, also were filmed on home video, and we uh, always used to watch our home videos. So, like, a lot of those memories were experienced and then immediately reinforced and relived, like... Wow, yeah. Several, several times, like a few times a year, probably. Oh, that's a lot. At least. Yeah, we used to Just watch our home videos. Sit down videos. and have home video parties? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, we used to do that. Better than me when I finally have my hands on my own videos and they're all big, fat disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> Being an only child sucked. <laughs> You're just going to sit off of the corner like... Yeah, exactly. I have no one stoic. to interact with. Yeah, <laughs> stoic is a good word just for like me. Like staring at whoever's talking. Or the so then your eyes just jump across the room at whoever's talking. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad habit. I still, uh, I still sometimes put myself in the corner and just <laughs> listen. <laughs> but well, nobody puts this next caller in the corner. The first time I held a baby, I, I know I was not driving yet, but um. I held my mom's cousin's kid. Um, I was pretty young. I was scared shitless to drop her. <laughs> but oddly enough, uh, we have some sort of like bond between us, but me and her. Yeah. So she's like not uh, old enough to be a sibling, but she would be too young to be like. Um, too far a generation from me apart. Yeah. But she's married to a guy that's, like, close to my age. Uh, maybe a little bit younger. But, yeah, they're uh, they're good drinking partners. Nice. So, yeah. Anyway, in the bowl. In the bowl, man. In the bowl. Fantastic. Yeah, there's, like, uh, I was going to say, the first time I ever, like, saw a fresh birth was those puppies, I'm pretty sure. Oh, sure. Our dog's. Murphy and Lucy. Yeah, when that, they had a litter, I was like, I caught them all six as they came out. Yeah, you were the midwife. I was the doula. Yes. I got you what you needed. I offered support, told our friends to shut up. <laughs> yeah, he just mainly had to calm Chris down because he was just freaking out. He had dog birth trauma. Yeah. And I a... was like, hey, it's okay, dude. Everything is fine here. Yeah. And we had six beautiful grand pups. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking goofy. <laughs> Yeah, we kept the best one. No doubt. But all the rest of them stayed in the family, too, which was cool. And then that prepared you for my home birth. Yeah, Even it though, did. It was a good warm-up. Now, when Ray was born, holding your own baby is a totally different thing. Yep. It is, it is wild. Yeah. And uh, it's awesome. It's so primal it's feeling. way like, different than holding somebody else's baby. all I... Because oh. you are, you're like, if you're holding somebody else's baby, it's almost like holding somebody else's, like, very fragile, expensive something, you know? Sure, yeah. You're holding it, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to, f- oh, I just want to, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, you know? Yeah. And, like, if you're a kid, when most of us hold a baby for the first time, it's exactly like people have been saying. They sit you in the chair, they say, hold your arms like this, and then they lay the baby right in there. 
Yeah. And then you just kind of sit there cheesing until (laughs) it starts crying and then they take it back, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's even how I have have the girls hold John right now. Exactly, yeah. Same way. But when Rayla was born uh, and your dad was here and your mom was here and your dad was like, can I hold her? And you're like, yeah, yeah. But then you just... (laughs) I kept your hands right under his hands. I know. It was he's wild. Like, I was he's like, like, son, this isn't my first I, baby. I know my <laughs> dad can hold a baby, obviously. He made it, right? Yeah. He got uh, two kids successfully raised. But, god damn, there's just something in you that's just like, ah, that one's mine, though, you know? And you're just like, yeah. I, I did. I had my hel- arms out under the baby like a dumb shit for like the first 10 seconds or something. I thought uh, it was awesome. It's that protective spirit. Yeah. It's fierce, man. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah. And you're the wolf. Oh. <laughs> yes. But I love watching the girls hold John or when Rayla was two holding her little sister, Asina. And she says she remembers that. Yeah. I said, you remember when Asina was a newborn and you got to hold her for the first time? And she goes, yeah, I remember when I was with dad. In bed. I was like, yeah, that's right. So the three-year-old remembers, and Asina will remember holding John, I think, too. The first time she held John, she seemed a little nervous, but sunk right into it. Yeah. Rayla was like, when can I hold Asina? <laughs> she Right when her little sister was born, she was ready. Well, and the wild thing about our kids that maybe not a lot of kids get is that... Like, they saw them right away, you know, still wet from birth. Yeah. Because they're just all, everyone's there, you know. Yep. It's not like, oh, your kids have to stay out in this room, and then you got, like... A waiting room. A bunch of people camped to the hospital. It's just like, no, you're, <laughs> you're like, laying in your bed in your master bedroom, and your kids are, like, in the bed, like, craning their heads around, being like, what is this? What is that? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, saying, he's so beautiful. He has a beautiful head. Yep. That was the cutest <laughs> thing our two-year-old said. Ridiculous. Rayla was just like, I love him so much. I was like, I know, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> You're a great big sister. Yeah. And she, you know, the other day she wasn't feeling well. And she was like, can I hold John? And I was like, mm, you're not feeling good, but yeah, you can hold John. And her, she just like smiled. You know, she stopped like crying and whining and yeah. just was so happy holding him. It made me so happy. I love watching my kids hold other kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet. This next voicemail is so sweet. Just have a feeling. Hey, bowlers. Hey. Hey, uh, nothing that'll bring a grown man to tears quite like holding their firstborn child <laughs> right in the delivery room. Yeah. That's the first time I held my own child and tears are streaming down. Hell yeah. So, pretty special time. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Man, I didn't get like the whole full stream until John. But for (laughs) me, it was like, for me, the first two, it was like protect, protect, protect. You know what I mean? It was just that like alertness and also this warmth. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't stop looking at them. You can't stop like just loving them with your eyes, just being like, this is so precious. But with John, what got me... And, you know, another thing about your other two births was that they were, like, surprisingly low-key easy. To and where it was like, like, it wasn't like a, a mountain to climb over, you know? It was kind of like, oh, here we go, here we go. It was like anticipation, anticipation, and then done, you know? 
Whereas with John, like we had to wait so long and like you, it like started and through stopped. so much. It was just like, yeah, like tears of relief and also joy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. And like a lot of the fears just being like, not materializing and. uh it was it was all like a lot more things on top of the kid. I was definitely bawling. Yeah, it was just like a big one. Well, I told you, I didn't have time for fears to materialize. I was like having uh, birth trips. Yeah, just like so in the zone. I was like having visions. It was dope. Fletcher said <laughs> he remembers the first time I held him. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tender moment. It turned into a tender evening. It turned into stew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I got another one. Hey, hey, again. Hello. So I'm leaving this very yes. late. Quirkus got back in. Actually, Yay. sorry that it's so late. Oh, it might right. have to make the next show. Oh no! I just got so caught up in the amazing uh, stream tonight. I always learn so much and become really enveloped in everything that you're teaching us and telling us and sharing with us. It's You really have something amazing going, you know. Thank you. Especially with the way you two are. And it's so great hearing Wolf Cub John cooing. And, yeah. He's making his noises so during anyway, the um, It's great. Let's try to get this in. I just, sorry, I'm walking on the path along the riverside and you might hear some traffic. Nice. So one time when I was still a freshman, I was babysitting this six-month-old baby, and I have to try to make this fast. You know how I am with stories. I go slow. And the kid, they were both asleep, and the baby had its own crib room on the second floor, its nursery. And, oh, let me tell you, these baby monitors, you know, this was long before maybe I think they could easily be hacked. I was just sitting on the sofa reading. I had several hours before the parents returned home. And I have a minute left. And I keep it close. If I got up and walked around in that house, I always took it with me. And all the doors are always locked and the windows. It was a nice summer night. Nobody was ever bothering, and I never let anybody come over when I was babysitting. Never. Yeah. I started hearing this really creepy, just otherworldly sounds coming from that baby monitor. And I know how babies sound. I know how children sound, and it wasn't. I mean, that baby was fast asleep, very quiet, beautiful thing, beautiful, beautiful baby. And, I mean, I'm telling you these sounds. I just listened for, like, five minutes. Um, oh, shit, I might run out of time. That's okay. This is a good um, I one. might call back again. So yeah. I decided to investigate. And my heart was beating through my chest. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was terrified. But I had to do it. Yep. I had to see if somebody was up there. It sounded like somebody was messing with the crib. Ugh. And this, this beautiful child and precious, innocent creature. There was something in there. There was I'm telling you. This whole um, thing is very, very spooky. Whoa. What a cliffhanger. Here, here's part two. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I, I really will just try to wrap this up. There was something in there. I mean, the sounds that I heard are, whew, 
I was certain of it. I mean, there were no windows open. There, there was no fan on. There's no. I ran through all of the logical possibilities. Um, I was certain that I would face something, and I didn't have a flashlight. That was a mistake. But I turned the hall light on, and it was slow motion. It felt like it was shining. <laughs> oh God! I was like, oh my goodness. I'm having my first real panic attack. I can hear my heart beating. I can feel my pulse rushing and quickening. I mean, my blood was on fire. It was only 15 feet once I went up to the stairs on the second floor of the landing and walked to the end of the hallway, and the door was just slightly ajar, and I didn't leave it that way. I left it all the way open. Jesus. When I, I went in... I just opened the door all the way. I didn't turn the light on. I didn't want to wake the baby. Mm-hmm. I had the baby monitor in my hand, and the noises stopped as soon as I touched the door. Mm, holy shit. There was nothing there that I could detect with my senses. But there was a heaviness. I believe there was somebody there. I hope, I hope protecting this child as I wanted to. So the baby was not um, fussing or fretting had not awoken, and I never experienced that again at that house. But when I walked back down the hallway to go back down the stairs, before I turned off the hall light, I turned back towards the nursery and said, I'm never going to let you hurt these children. You need to behave yourself or leave. man. Caring for children can be terrifying on (laughs) other levels, Mm -hmm. not just their behavior or, you know, what's going on with them physically, mentally. Oh, you don't see that coming. (laughs) Just thought you'd like that story. And uh, a little bit of major post and (laughs) pre-Halloween-y. I love you. And uh, thank you for everything you share. Good night. Good night. We love you, Corcus. Good night, Corcus. Man. That's that kind of memory that, for me, just makes your eyes tear up. You're like, oh, fuck. Heart starts racing again. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Thank you for sharing that, Corcus. Um, you always have like an aversion to the baby monitor. I've told thing. you, yeah. I have my baby monitor from when I was a baby that my great grandma used because I feel weird like uh, sending it off. I don't, I don't know why. <clears throat> I have it, but I I've never used it with our kids, mm-hmm. and I never will. Yeah, just because of that kind of stuff. It's gonna the funny, old EVPs. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like in a spiritual sense, most of like kids have some sort of like a total immunity to spiritual attack you know um at least what i've in like just babies and infants specifically you know and sometimes like things come and try or they come and like watch to see if they can but it's clear they can't really just get super close and so then you'll see like doors or windows or lights or fans or baby monitors like that get fucked with and the baby can just be zonked like not even affected that's kind of what I think. I don't know. It's just like a weird instinct. I like that. They're so pure. Right, they're, yeah. They're like just... And they're also so close a, to that other side. You know, they just came back over. Yeah. So it's like, <clears throat> I don't know, they have this like spiritual glow to them where it's almost like a shadow can't touch what is pure white light, you know? Um, but also, it's saying, you know, you better behave yourself. Yeah. You will not harm these kids so important that's just like uh 
clearly Quirkus is spiritually in tune and has been for a long time. But yeah, yeah that's that's exactly it. It's the will of, uh, you know, this is my realm, not your realm. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, whatever it was, didn't want to mess with Quirkus. Nope. She warded him off. Yeah. And told him to stay away. Yeah, don't make me do this again. So it's not going to be so nice next time. Because I've definitely had experiences in dreams, especially, but hmm. also wake, you know, being awake experiences. Yeah. Where you just have to say, leave. And I always just like, get the fuck out of here. This is my go to. <laughs> but, and it, they do. It's that fucking That's Gandalf, never... you shall not pass type energy. Yeah. You just like scream silently through your forehead. Mm hmm. Hasn't failed me yet. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Yes. So, what's our first time I ever for next week? Oh, man. Didn't we have one? Uh, I had one written down from a long time ago that Fletcher suggested, which was the first time I ever saw another person's genital sexually. Oh, yeah. That's a mouthful. Yeah. I don't have it written down. He probably, I mean, I have it written down. I just can't find it because I'm in the bowl. It's bowl time. Uh, but... I was going to say, you probably said it more a eloquently wordy, than me. Said. <laughs> That's yeah. my fault. I'm sorry. Uh, what else? Yeah, yeah, I just had, saw genitalia in a sexual way. First time I ever saw someone's junk, yeah. Saw someone's junk, yeah, that, that works. Someone in a sexual junk. manner, though. Not like taking a bath with your mom and dad when you're a baby. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, uh, first time I ever saw someone's junk lewdly? Maybe we can even, in parentheses, uh... Family doesn't count. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It is a great. No, the, it's a great prompt, but I, I'm just like I'm butchering it. Way too far behind the curtain to be able to succinctly put it. That's what it'll be. We'll figure out a way to write it. Not like total idiots. Okay. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's a good that. one. I like it. I like the discussions that will ensue. Yes, and it's it's a different trip from this week's first time I ever for yeah. sure. No doubt. Um. I did get a last-minute call. Ooh, let's hear it. Come on, caller. Howdy-ho, bowlers. First time I ever held a baby. It would have been after I left my theme park job. and I was back in town uh, visiting with my family that had traveled up. and Went to go get some breakfast, which fun, fun, fun fact Tuesday, fun fact token Tuesday, Williamsburg, Virginia has, like, the highest fucking per capita of waffle joints it is off of the fucking rails there's so many like you you can't even fucking spit without eating without uh eating a waffle you know what i'm saying uh waffle town my buddy uh he was the one that i was working for at the end of last year climbing trees for him and wrapping lights Uh, he had just had his daughter with his wife baby jenny and you know, we were sitting there eating breakfast and having a good time. And the one thing that uh, his wife did that I that I really dug as far as like a early parenting trick was just putting the food on a plate for the baby and, and letting the baby play with the food and, and see what it wanted to eat, let it eat at its own pace. Uh, I shouldn't say, yeah, let Jenny eat at her own pace. <laughs> and... Um, it was cool to watch, and like uh, Jenny at one point wanted to get held, and uh, my buddy's wife was still eating. I think he was eating too, and I was already done. I was like, "Oh, I'll hold the baby," and I held the baby. I I wasn't like 
I wasn't over the top ginger with her. Um, well, you know, I still wanted to make sure I had everything fully supported, but uh, I did it. I did it well enough that uh, she fell asleep in my arms sitting there uh, in front of a plate of waffles. Nice. In the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Yeah, you get that touch. Puts him right to sleep. Gentle but firm. That is the touch. All right. Well, we're almost out of here, bowlers. Just one thing left to do. Right. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's. Roll a few down the lanes, huh? Yes. Play clip three for me. Ooh, 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 clip three. Gotta download it and then I can play it. Home against the odds. <laughs> After surviving an ordeal straight out of the storybooks, fisherman Michael Packard was diving for lobster 45 feet down in Cape Cod when his day took an unexpected turn. I was just about at the bottom and I just felt this truck hit me and everything just went dark and I could just feel just hard stuff all around me like and I just thought did I just get eaten by a white shark and and I said no I don't feel any teeth and I said oh my god I'm in the mouth of a whale in fact it was a humpback whale and for 40 seconds Michael was stuck in its mouth He's swimming, and I could just be in his mouth, and he's swimming, and I'm like, this is how you're going to go, Michael. This is how you're going to die. Oh my Losing God. hope, he thought about his boys and the rest of his family. All of a sudden, I saw light, and I just could feel his head shaking, and I just got thrown out of his mouth into the water. There was just white water everywhere. As his friend pulled him into the boat, he was in serious pain and thought the whale had broken his legs. In fact, he'd dislocated his knee and had other soft tissue injuries, but was otherwise unscathed. For son Jacob, a text from his mother was an unexpected interruption to lessons. Your dad was was diving and a whale just, I don't know, attacked him, ate him. Luckily, the whale decided it didn't want Michael for breakfast after all, and he's already thinking about when he can dive back into work. Noise. Noise, indeed. <laughs> Fucking whale, dude. That's biblical. It, it really is. Fletcher said this story seems fishy to me. <laughs> yeah, it could be a... Um, actually, a whale is a mammal. Mammals. It could be a big fish tail, but... Story is mammalay. I heard there were eyewitnesses. I Oof. didn't get their testimony. Big smack. Oh, man. Uh, someone in South River, Ontario, got a hell of a thrift score oh. when they purchased a painting for $4.09 <laughs> and found out that the artist was David Bowie. Nice. Yes. The painting's title is Deadhead 46. It was painted in 1997 as part of a series he did, created, creating uh, paintings between 1994 and 1997. Hmm. So the painting is now up for auction and expected to get between uh, $9,000 and $12,000. Would you like hodl for life, though? Would you ever sell that painting if you I got would, that I in the I personally would not. <laughs> yeah, I would be like... And uh, welcome to the bowl. This is David Bowie's painting. <laughs> it sort of looks like a self-portrait, too. It has no facial features, though, so hard to tell. Um, they said he was painting everyone at that time, including himself. So Was he good? 
I mean, it's art. It's subjective. Okay. <laughs> it's a painting. Okay. I know I, you I love. Say, I know you I love Bowie, this, but I love Bowie. But if I was going through the the paintings there, unless it's like signed on the back, I would have just skipped right over it. Visual alone looks a bit it's shite. Not my style. Looks it's a bit shite style. to me. It, it almost looks like a more uh, intellectual version of that like Globo Homo style <laughs> bullshit you see everywhere nowadays, <laughs> where it's like the outlines of cartoon faces, but they don't like have features they're, or yeah and they're it's like a long-haired are... npc really if you look at it yeah yeah it totally is it's like the npc yeah. without a face the faceless yeah. npc the colors though like that burnt orange with the blue yeah i, I don't know looks like his one eye and his other that's eye what i was thinking yeah i was like reminds me of getting punched in the face <laughs> <laughs> uh, four bucks though at yeah. a thrift store my oh my how did how did you ever <laughs> Can you fathom pulling one of those off, man? Oh, man. I, and then I'm like, how That's did it end dream. up there? You know, maybe someone died? I don't know, yeah. Or just, like, didn't know what they had or inherited? Clearly, or... clearly that. Yeah. Because somebody had to donate it. Somebody had to just pitch it. <laughs> well, no one bought this at the estate sale for three bucks, so best of luck, Goodwill, or whoever. Holy shit. Uh, um... Someone in Kansas had a better birthday than you did. Oh? Because they decided to grab a quick pick on the Kino, Uh-oh. leaving the VFW, and just happened to win one of the state's largest jackpots. How dare in they? In its history. Yeah. I guess they... should they'd... send me a few hundred off of it. <laughs> hey, birthday bud. Yeah. Yeah. 124600 bucks on the quick pick. Just quick last minute buy on the way out, and that's what did it. Nice. Must be fucking nice. Said they were playing all day, but <laughs> no luck. And then that quick pick was quick the pick one. And, <laughs> quick pick and chill. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, good news for that uh, VFW though. They will get a one thousand dollar selling bonus. Nice. Yeah. If you sell winning tickets, you get paid. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty cute. Good. Pretty awesome, dude. Uh, not so cool. There was an analysis that got published today. Um, that found commonly used cosmetics contain high levels of potentially toxic chemicals that aren't listed on labels. Hmm. Um, you may have heard of them before. Oh. They're known as PFAs, per mm. in polyfluoroalkyl substances. Uh, they accumulate in the human body and are thus nicknamed forever chemicals. Yuck. Mm-hmm. So you can ingest them through uh, your lip products. There was a fun fact in there that people who use uh, lipstick are likely to ingest over a pound of it over their lifetime. Oh, that's nasty. That is nasty. Um, you can also absorb it through the skin if you're using like a, uh, a foundation, which many of them contain these things, I guess. Uh, you can absorb it through the tear ducts if you're using like mascara or... Uh, liner i guess um yeah and so there's been previous studies in these pfas because they're also found in uh some foods and things around us mm. and they're linked to fertility problems birth defects obesity diabetes and cancer wow um that's all excellent oh yeah yeah they are added to these personal care products to improve durability texture and water resistance and all of the products that were tested in this analysis contained detectable levels of at least four PFAs. 
Jeez. So I'm just going back to my fuck makeup stand. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't like, I'm not a big makeup fan. Right. Um, obviously, if I'm like doing photos or stuff, having to be on camera, you put it on, you know, go into an event. It's fun to play dress up. It's fun to wear makeup. Right. But, oh, my skin just is a very sensitive. And so I've had like crap reactions to it. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm no makeup artist. You know, you can't just it's be very, wearing it twenty four seven, man. It's like I know, but think about it can't be healthy. Some of these makeup techniques that you see now with these layers of foundation and shading, yeah, the like sculpting they, and stuff. Sculpt, yeah, like it's just layers of different colored foundations or blushes, and then you get the eyeshadow and the mascara. It's just pounds of this stuff that you're putting on. It just can't be good. <laughs> I'm seems, concerned and I don't want to go back. Consuming. I'm go- Oh, it's definitely time consuming above all. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm old. I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else no one has time for? What's that? Getting shot over a face diaper argument. Oh, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. Now, I'm confused about it. I found the story hard to actually get to the bottom of like what was the argument i didn't find a video or anything Mm -hmm. but a cashier in atlanta at a grocery store was shot and killed over an argument with a customer regarding his face mask which leads me to presume that the customer was wearing a face mask and maybe the cashier wasn't oh i read somewhere that he was told to pull it up ah but he had one on yeah just like under his nose or something something like that don't tell people how to wear their masks. Don't tell people to wear masks. Just leave people alone. Yeah. Ugh, not worth dying over. Don't make fun then... of a dude's pants at the bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. My buddy Quinn said he just <laughs> he was at a bar and he made fun of some dude's pants. And then when they were leaving in the parking lot, like dude went and shot at him <gasps> across the street. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Like, they. If you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all, right? Mm. Unless it's your buddy that you went to the bar with. Luckily, dudes who would shoot you over making fun of their pants aren't super good shots. That's very lucky, but that's scary. Fuck that. He's got kids, you know? Uh, Fuck that. That makes me mad. But this makes me mad, too. Gotta be careful who you... uh, I mean, you piss off. Poke fun at, I guess. Yeah. At the bar. Uh, Or at the grocery store. Or at the grocery store. Uh, But... The, yeah, so the the cashier was shot and killed, and then of course the part time security there was a sheriff, a sheriff's deputy. So he had to intervene. He gets shot twice, but he's got a bulletproof vest on, so he's fine. And uh, but he did return fire and hit the guy mm. that pulled this gun out in this situation. So play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of a stupid prize, there's a change dot org petition urging Jeff Bezos to buy Da Vinci's Mona Lisa and eat it. What the fuck? Hundreds of people have signed it. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. That's a stupid prize I wouldn't mind seeing. Oh my God. Jeff Bezos consume the Mona Lisa. I think of it's course, the ultimate proof of how futile and useless change.org petitions are. It is. It totally is. Um, but, of course, the French government owns the painting, which you can see at the Louvre. But yeah. I wouldn't go to France. That ain't going nowhere. So no, it's not going anywhere. Bezos. And, ugh, can you imagine eating paint? Bezos has enough problems. Old paint. Yeah, he's got enough problems. He doesn't need to be eating paint. <laughs> <laughs> eating the Mona Lisa. <laughs> Jesus, the internet was a mistake. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Everything can be used for good. It's just that... Uh, Son, I am disappoint. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of disappointing uh, uh, things out there. I still gave it a strike anyway. Oh, yeah. I got to work on my game, you know? Oh, yeah. Can't have them all going in the gutter. Creativity points to the petition uh, organizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Sonoma, a sheriff's officer... Or deputy. No, the, the office. The sheriff's office. Yeah. That's what my note says. Received a suspicious vehicle complaint. Uh, there was a car parked on private property with no occupant. Right, right. And it was in a very strange place. It was on a vineyard. Hmm. So the deputy uh, arrived, looked around, and was like, what the heck? This is very strange. Just an abandoned vehicle. Then he saw a hat resting on a nearby piece of farm equipment. And decided to go over and investigate it. Well, it's a good thing he did because he found out that the occupant of the car had inexplicably decided to climb into the shaft of a vineyard fan and became stuck inside. Oh my god. For two days. That man stayed in that fan. Two days in a fan. And so the fire department came and was able to get him out. And uh, when probed about what the hell he was doing in there dude said he liked to take pictures of old farm equipment oh but deputies found that he had more meth than camera equipment <laughs> on his person in his vehicle whoops i'm sorry so <laughs> bowl after bowl i was on the wrong board let's have another one for me <laughs> oh not a good game dude you're off your game i know man i'm gonna roll a, a 30. So the dude, uh, he did receive medical treatment and wasn't arrested, um, but the deputy recommended to the property owner, you know, trespassing charges, and I guess he violated his probation mm-hmm. and also has a pending case, which he's uh, currently out of custody on pretrial release for. That all sounds like a lot going on. Yes, although it was a very complicated tale <laughs> of a man stuck in a fan for two no days. Doubt. <laughs> well, you, you wonder, like, who gets stuck in a fan and then you read all of that, and it's just like, uh... I know you're half-retarded! Yeah. You got bigger problems than being stuck in a fan, I guess. That's for sure. And a uh, real big problem in Alberta, Canada, a gender reveal party. Of what course. could go wrong? Yeah, when, <laughs> I can see where this is going. Complete disaster. Yes. Caused a small wildfire. Of Took course. out an acre of land. $500 fine to the couple. I just don't have words. Me neither. The gentry reveal parties and getting out of control. It's just like, or really any party that gets out of control. Like, I don't know. Some responsibility would be good, especially since you're about to be parents. I was party to like <laughs> less than a dozen of those in my whole life. But they all occur, you know, at a certain time in your life. You know, you're like late high school, very early college. The out-of-control parties? And if you're not that age, you got no business running around setting neighborhoods on fire or (laughs) any of these other kind of disastrous scenarios. It's a gender reveal. Everyone should just be gathered around in some quiet-ass suburban living room cutting a cake in a half. Oh, look, it's pink. I love the cake concept. Yeah, where it's like... Grandma knows, and Grandma bakes the cake and makes yeah. the color, whatever. And then, boo- oh, um, yay, it's going to be a girl. But, man, there are some... And then we're eating cake and just talking as a regular family. Nobody has to get arrested and thrown in jail. Nobody has to make an insurance claim. Good it Lord. would be nice. I mean, it just seems like a small ask, you know? It does. <laughs> it does, but 
you know, people got to have a bigger, louder, more explosive gender reveal party than the last one they saw on the gram. So, Fuck this is the world we live in. We didn't do a gender reveal party. We just watched the ultrasound. Do you want to know what it is? Yes, I do. Hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hooray. Regardless. Surprises, surprises are overrated. You know, I got to say something. The worst thing I've seen in gender reveal party stories is when one of the parents is like so disappointed that they either throw a toddler tantrum or cry when they find out they're not having the gender they wanted. And then you just worry about the kid. You know, you're like, hey, what? That's your kid, though. Your kid is going to be awesome because it's your kid, right? Correct. And then you're like, fuck, what if they're going to try and force this kid to be the gender they don't that they wanted? It's just, it's too complicated these days. The yeah. gender reveal party. What even is that? Do people have baby showers anymore? Because, you know, that's what we did. That's what I remember growing up. Mm-hmm. Baby shower. We go watch the stinky baby take its first shower. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, uh, diaper party man you get all those diapers before you need them and then you're all stocked up and ready you don't have to worry after the baby's born but a group of journalists had to worry it was the white house press corps because their charter flight to england following the dusty old man mm-hmm. was delayed for hours due to mechanical issues caused by cicadas <laughs> Patriotic cicadas. <laughs> Based cicada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that. I, that gave me a good chuckle. Uh, in my final role here on the lanes, the bowl after bowl lanes is, uh, well, you know, Jack Harrod told us first, but now the science is catching up. Oxford University's Environmental Change Institute says hemp could save the planet from climate change. Yeah. One more. It's turkey. <laughs> That's turkey. Oh, it was that a turkey. Three. Yeah. Turkey time. Woo. Thanks, cicadas. Thanks, hemp. Yeah. You know, they went into it. They started to listen off the facts. Oh, it's a land saving crop. We, you know, we wouldn't have to expand into the forests for cropland and mm-hmm. you can improve the soil with it because it aerates the soil. It grows quick, it absorbs carbon. Uh, you can make construction materials out of it, biodegradable plastics. You could replace wood and cotton and petroleum-based products. It uh, uses a lot less water than cotton and produces like 200% more fiber on the same amount of land. You can grow up pretty much anywhere. doesn't really need a lot of inputs like fertilizer. And didn't you know, hemp seeds are a superfood. That's right, yeah. It can do so much, it's wild. Hemp can save the world. Yeah, just grow some. Grow some. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Well, speaking of doing it, thanks for hanging out in the bowlers. It's always a pleasure to have you bowlers. For another bowl after bowl, we'll be back next Tuesday. Same token time, same token channel. Oh, uh, but catch me Monday night after Hog Story on Behind the Schemes. Monday. That's right. 9.30 Central Time. I'll be on there. I believe with Midas if he's available. All right. But I'll be uh, I'll be there either way. Sweet. Peeking behind those schemes. Seeing what's up. Thanks for hanging. I've been Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And until next Token Tuesday, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Mm-hmm.
bowl after bowl guys are pushing the value for value so hard. They really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. Streaming value for value. All cash, baby. That's an amazing story, man. That's, That's cool as fuck. It's just me and my ganja. It can lead to other drugs. Do you smoke pot?